0: to our series called Buddies. And we obviously are playing off of the great TV show Friends, okay? Uh, For those of you who haven't seen it, I loved it, but I'm a lot older than a a lot of you in here. And so for those of you who haven't seen it, it's great, man. It's about this group of people that come together and are truly best friends through one of the most uh, intense times of life, and that is the post-college into career time of life. And so we wanted to do this series because we believe here that there is actually a fast of God and a richness in life that you can only have in relationship with friends. That there is actually a portion of our lives that we can only experience in the realm of friends. And there's a portion of God that we can only experience in the realm of friends. And even though I don't know all of you in here uh, super well, I know some of you really well, but I don't know all of you super well, I do know this about you. I know that some of your most profound and best memories in life happened in the context of friendship. I know that you were playing on a beach, or you were watching a sunset, or you were um, opening up some ridiculous Christmas gift and laughing until you cried because it was so dumb. It was from your grandma. Like all of that happened in the context of a friendship. Like that didn't happen by yourself. I know this about you. I know that your biggest adventures in life, your your best adventures, the most exciting time you will ever have will happen in the context of friendships. I know that uh, probably you know, you'll go on a camping trip with friends maybe at some point, And you'll, uh, <laughs> nice, I love that you guys like clap. You're like, yes, <laughs> camping. Um, you know, and you're gonna be coming down uh, from like a moonlit hike and you're gonna get super lost. And it's gonna be the biggest adventure you're gonna ever have. And that's gonna happen in the context of friends. I know that uh, you're going to have a moment maybe where you go overseas or where you, um, you know, hand out flyers for an event. And you're going to do that in the context of friendship. And no one ever says, okay, no one ever says this about the most exciting time of their life. They never say, Jess, I just had the best night of my life. Me, my smartphone. (laughs) 43 likes on my profile pic. And 82 YouTubes. It was incredible, Jess. You know, like nobody ever says that. And yet, and yet a lot of us in here will live our lives and will mistaken our friendships for that. And so tonight is about um, not just how friends add to our lives, not just how we can experience so much more in life with friends, but tonight is about this, and I titled it this, um, Make Friends Like Your Life Depends On It. Make friends like your life depends on it. And so before uh, we get into tonight, how about we bow our heads and we pray and we ask Jesus to be here in an awesome way. Um, Jesus, thank you for your character, for your personality. Thank you that you gave us a picture of friendship um, in you and in your friends. I love how um, human you were, God, that you came, that you wanted to befriend us that it says that we are now your friends, we are friends of God. I pray that everybody in here, God, that we would um, not be like the rest of the world, but God, that we would treasure our friendships, that we would see your value and and your um, purpose in our friendships. And so I pray that we would uh, figure that out tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, so I am in high school. I am really tight with a bunch of my high school friends. This is just after graduation from high school. Um, It's the winter that we all come home from college, and we had a cabin. A friend of ours had a cabin way up in the mountains that you had a snowmobile to, and so my friend Neil is like, let's do this, right? And so we get the food that you take up, you know, and you have to snowmobile the food in and all of our gear in, and um, so we make the long trek up to this cabin and have one of the funnest weekends of our lives. It's me, um, some of my girlfriends, some of our guy friends, and we just have fun. We play, you know, in the snow. We go snowmobiling a ton. We watch, you know, movies, eat a lot of really good food. My girlfriend, uh, Mary, who, who uh, we nicknamed her Jerry for geriatric, um, she, uh, she had to be on oxygen the whole weekend because it was, like, a little too high up for her. So it was just one of those weekends where you're, like, laughing a ton, Right? We go to leave, and it's Sunday. We have to get back to back down because most of us are going back to class that evening, right? Flying back to our colleges that evening, and we have to get down the mountain. But that particular day, a, a huge storm came in, and a blizzard a blizzard type storm came in. And the only way down the mountain, the only way to a town, the only way to our cars was to snow, snowmobile down. And I'll never forget um, kind of having this moment where we're all just taking hours and hours and it's really cold and it's so, when the blizzard's so intense that it actually seems like it's night and it's not, (laughs) you know what I mean? It was like one of those. And so I can barely see the snowmobile in front of me and I know I I can't lose that friend. And then I know that the person behind me is counting on me uh, to make sure that we get home okay. And it was like one of those moments that you have that you know my life is 100% in the hands of my friends. And my friends' lives are 100% in the hands of, of me. And God says this is actually biblical friendship. This is actually the way friendship should be. He says this in Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. God is saying this about friendships. They are not just a part of life. They are detrimental for you because it is not a matter of if you will fall down in this life or if life will knock you down or if you will go through a hard time in life. That is not the question. The question is when. And when you fall down, when you are in dire need, do you have someone to help you back up? Because your life depends on it. Make friends like your life depends on it. That's what God says. And the problem is, is that we treat, in the 21st century, you guys, we treat friendships not like this. We treat friendships um, more like baseball trading cards. And we collect them. And we say, well, I got 1,289 Facebook friends, and I got 687 followers on Instagram, and I got 488 friends that follow me on Twitter. And we have bought into this idea of friendship that um, it is kind of an exchanging of ideas where I put my opinions out there, and you put your opinions out there, and that somehow con- um, connotates us having some type of a relationship relationship right? And um, if I don't like what you have to say, I unfriend you. Or if we don't, you know, particularly agree with an article that you posted, I get to hide you from my life. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, well, cool. And this is legitimately how we deem our circles and how we deem friendship. And what I need to tell you guys tonight is that God is saying this is not my idea of friendship. At all. In fact, Proverbs says this. Proverbs 18 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So the question I have for you guys tonight is this. Do you have a brother or a sister? Do you have someone who sticks as close as a brother or a sister? Do you make your friends like your life depends on it? That's the question that we need to be asking ourselves tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel, Book of Daniel, it's in the Old Testament, um, chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles or you can look on your iPhones, I'm cool with that too. My husband always uses his iPhone, which I used to think was super sacrilegious, but it's reading your Bible, so good job. Um, So pull out those iPhones. Wave them in the air like you just don't care. Um, Daniel 1, here we go. This is a picture of a group of friends, you guys. This is a picture of a group of friends in a very intense time of their life, okay? And I think God has a lot for us to learn from this story. And um, just to give you a little bit of background story before we get into the book is this kingdom that we're gonna read about, is a kingdom called Babylon. And it has just overthrown the kingdom of Judah, which is where Daniel and his friends live, okay? So you've got Judah and you've got Israel. Um, They are two kingdoms, one people group. They're all Hebrew, they're all Jews. Um, But they have split into two kingdoms, and Babylon absolutely just overthrows Judah. And it takes its people captive. And so that's where we pick up. Then the king ordered um, Aphenes So Babylon at this time was the most wealthy and the most powerful empire in the world, okay? And it wasn't just an empire, it wasn't just a culture um, that was strong, okay? But it was also this very seductive culture, much like America today. It was wealthy. It was popular. Everybody there dressed really well. Everybody was into the arts. Everybody had loads and loads of entertainment at their fingertips, okay? This is Babylon that I'm describing. It sounds familiar, I know. Um, (laughs) um, They worshipped a number of gods, so many gods that sometimes people would be like, I don't actually know what Babylon believed, okay? Because there was just so many possibilities for belief, and um, they would assimilate people into their culture. Their goal wasn't just to overthrow a group of people. They wanted those people to assimilate into their culture and to become Babylonians. And so what they do is they get the best of the best of the best of the best of the young people. That's what they do. And um, that's where Daniel and his friends get picked up. And it says this in Daniel 1.6, Among those who were chosen were from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah, okay. So the world is after these guys for their loyalty. The world is after these guys to win their loyalty. Okay, and believe it or not, Satan hasn't really changed his tactics in the last thousand, you know, couple of thousands of years. This is exactly the way that he wants to come after you. He wants you to buy into and to give loyalty to your culture above you giving loyalty to Christ. And in Babylon, they would do this because they would give them lots of things, right? They would say, okay, you know, Daniel and all your friends, here's some um, nice clothes, and here's some nice food. And here's the latest technology, and here's some awesome education, and here's all of these things that will make you feel important and make you feel like um, this culture is all you're ever going to need. Right? And um, the same is for us today, you guys, in our culture today. We live in a culture that is um, battling for your loyalty. And it's saying things like this to us, like, it really, really matters a lot what your outward image is. And it really matters a lot how much money you make. And um, I know that God says, you know, that his kingdom is important and that building his kingdom is important, but your kingdom is important. And so make sure you spend a lot of time building your kingdom, right? It's a culture war. And it's after the loyalty of your souls. And that's what's happening with Daniel and his friends. Um, So again, it says, Among those who were chosen were from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were friends. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name um, Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to um, Azariah, Abednego. So he strips them of their names Okay, Babylon strips them of their names. And if you know anything about Jewish culture or Hebrew culture, you know that their names actually were their identity. (laughs) And so he takes their identity in hopes that he can give them a Babylonian identity. Not only that, but at this point in time, the king of Babylon says, everybody needs to eat my royal food, right? He's trying to seduce them into the culture. And so he's like, I've got the best food in the world. It's like, you know, when Katniss goes to the capital for the first time. (laughs) And she's like, this is awesome. Totally want to eat everything. That's what's happening for Daniel. But a lot of this food, a lot of this food will defile him and will defile his friends in the eyes of God. And so he says, says, you know, I don't know that we can do this, you guys. I think we need to stand up for what we believe in. And so that's what they do. This is Daniel 1.11. Daniel said to the guard uh, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed and he tested them for 10 days. There is so much that we have to learn from these set of friends. And we're going to try to condense This tonight for us. And the first thing that I think we can learn from these friends is this, they stick together, ride or die. They stick together, ride or die. When it comes to your life, you guys in here, you 20-somethings, you young folk. I'm a little older than you guys, so I'm going to start saying, you young folk. (laughs) Um, When it comes to you guys in here, the, the, the culture of this world is absolutely going after your loyalty. And I believe that the only way you are going to make it out alive is with friends. I truly believe it. And I think that Daniel speaks to this too. Daniel refuses in this moment to buy into culture and instead he says, you know what? No, I'm gonna stand up for what I believe. And when he does this, he wrangles his friends and he's like, hey guys, we all need to be one on this. Um, None of us can eat this food. Um, We've gotta, let's just eat vegetables, let's drink water for the next little bit of time, okay? And this uh, idea of ride or die, it's from the Urban Dictionary. So this is what the Urban Dictionary says. It says, um, to be down with someone, no matter what, through all the good and the bad. It's normally, uh, I think that it was Jay-Z who came up with it. Oh man. (laughs) Don't like, don't go tell my bosses that we're preaching about Jay-Z. Um, (laughs) But there are times in your life, you guys, lots of times, that is going to require your friends sticking by your side no matter what. Come hell or high water, they need to stick with you because it's that important. And I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about these friends and um, the stand that they took in this time and the message that they were trying to bring and the people they were trying to be. And it made me think of when our church first got started um, and I was an intern. I was um, just like maybe my senior year of college and I was an intern here. And uh, Chad, Sean, Scott, and Brian were best friends. Best friends. And they started this church together. And I remember in the beginning, it's a thriving church now. There's um, lots of life here. There's lots of people here. And God's doing so much here. But when it first got started, it was very small and it was faced with financial financial troubles And it was faced with stresses that um, I could only imagine and criticisms from the outside. Like, well, really, you want to be a church that um, goes after the lost, but you also want to be a church that's a home for, you know, saved people. Like, can you even do that? We don't think you can. Like, and the guys, I remembered watching them as an intern, and I could just tell they were under an immense amount of stress. And we would have meetings, and we would sit down, and we would have these meetings, and sometimes the pressure of a decision or of, you know, um, trying to make a decision financially was so much that the guys would just be like, time out. And they would walk over and there was a basketball hoop in our office and they'd play like four rounds of pig. <laughs> and initially I kind of was like, we've got so much important stuff to do, like why are we doing this? Like why are we, you know, and we would get this golden pig and we all wrote our names on it and then we kept, you know, <laughs> we kept track of who won the most. And um, Sean is extremely competitive and he was the winner. And um, <laughs> And I remember thinking, like, why do we do this? Like, why is this the, the tactic that we are doing right now? And I came to realize in that internship that these friends were friends no matter what. And if the church was going to go down, they were going down together. And I remember thinking that. I remember watching that, ride or die. Like, if this thing succeeds, awesome. If it's going down, we're going down with the boat. We're sinking with it. And I think for a lot of us in here, this needs to be something that we begin to look for in our friendships. Because this is a biblical way of friendship. You look at maybe Ruth and Naomi. And Ruth looks at Naomi and she says, your people are going to be my people. Your land is going to be my land. Where you go, I will go. And she says, and if something terrible befalls you, let it befall me. Ride or die. You look at Jonathan and David. And the kind of scenarios that David got into, and Jonathan was like, I'm going with you, bro. (laughs) We're probably going to die. Let's do it. You look at people like Paul and Barnabas, who were best friends, and who got caught in extremely intense circumstances, or Peter and John. You know, you look at these people, and these were friends that stuck together no matter what. And I think for a lot of us in here, we have the type of friendships. Some of our friends are the type of friends that are going to ride with us until things get a little bit sketchy or until our life doesn't look as pretty as it should look, right? Until we're not winning in life. And then they're like, okay, Mm, like, you know, I've got 100 and you know some odd Twitter followers, so I'm out. (laughs) Some of you in here on the opposite side of that are... are, um, These types of friends. And you need to ask yourself tonight, do I offer the type of friendship that is like, I'm sticking with you kind of friendship? Or do you only offer a type of friendship that is convenient for you? Do you only offer the type of friendship, and I've had to ask myself this. Recently, and even as I was writing this week, do you only offer the type of friendship um, that, you know, if it doesn't mess with your schedule or it doesn't require too much of you or, you know, you don't even know about bearing another person's burdens. Like, you're fine telling people your issues, but gosh, you don't want to hear about anybody else's. Like, if you're that type of friend, God wants you to know tonight that you can change and that he wants you to be the type of friend that is ride or die because that's the kind of relationship that God can work in friends stick together. Number two, they share their vulnerabilities. Um, Doug talked about this last week, but I don't think it can be stated enough that sharing your vulnerabilities is just a type of friendship and a part of friendship that's so important. The story in Daniel goes on, and Daniel and his friends together, they don't eat the king's food, and it ends up boding well for them because they actually look healthier than everybody else. (laughs) Eat vegetables. That's the moral of the story. Um, (laughs) And the guard um, finds Daniel, and he's like, this is so great. You guys look wonderful. And um, in that moment, sticking together bodes well for them, and it works out well for them. The story continues, and King Nebuchadnezzar um, is plagued by terrible nightmares. Okay, so this is the king of Babylon, and he has terrible nightmares. And he gathers all the wise men, and this includes the four friends. He gathers all the wise men, and he says, Who can interpret my dreams? Because these dreams are keeping me up at night. I can't sleep. Who of the wise men and the astrologers can interpret my dream? And the guys look at them and look at the king, and they say, Well, no one can, king. This is an impossible dream. The king's furious, okay? And he says, Fine, I'm killing everyone. This is true. Read your Bibles. It's awesome. This is better than anything you will ever read. So he says, awesome. He says, Everybody, every wise man, every astrologer, done. And so the guard goes out to go and off everyone, and this is where we find Daniel. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and with tact. And he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, to his Friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for the mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mysteries were revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven. You need to picture this Daniel goes to the king and he says, Don't kill us yet. I think I can interpret the dream. And he goes home. And you have to picture that walk home and the weight and the burden that he was feeling. And I picture him entering the house and like almost like collapsing before his friends and just being like you guys, being so vulnerable in that moment. Because he's just a human and he says, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) I don't know if I can interpret this dream. And if I do not, we're all in trouble. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? He's so vulnerable, and I think for a lot of us in here, um, we read verses like James, and it says this, it says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we read these verses and we think, oh well, I will pray with my friends. I can share prayer requests and we'll pray. But it is quite another deal to open up your heart and to be vulnerable and to share your fears, to share your shortcomings, to share your sins. And in this moment, Daniel is not just sharing a prayer request. He is sharing his burden that is on his heart. And I think for a lot of us, the temptation is to kind of have an I got this mentality. Me, my relationship with God, it's me and him. I don't really need anybody else. I got this. If you want to pray for me, you can pray for me about this thing. And I think Daniel is showing us, no, like good friends, like they share their heart. Good friends get vulnerable. Number three, their lives had a kingdom impact together. Their lives had a kingdom impact together. So Daniel goes to the king. After all of that prayer, God gives him a vision, and he goes to the king, and he interprets the dream for the king. And once again, these four friends, like, they make it through it. (laughs) They're still alive. Nobody's after them. They're still succeeding in the kingdom and seemingly doing well in the kingdom. But then at the climax of the story, and you guys probably know this, um, King Nebuchadnezzar in, you know, his, his wanting to, you know, be the best of the best of kings says, well, I'm going to create this um, memorial to a god. And he builds this giant golden calf, and he says, everyone in the kingdom needs to bow down to this thing. And word gets out that these four friends won't do it, okay? Word gets out that these four friends aren't doing what the king asks, and um, I was thinking about it this week because culture is so powerful when it tells us to do something, is it not? It's so powerful, like we don't even think about it. We don't even think if it um, maybe bothers God or if it's not necessarily what God would want. And in this moment, these, these friends band together and they said, no, we're not gonna do this. And so my question for you along this line is this, are your friends in your life kingdom-minded? Are your friends in your life kingdom-minded? Because these friends were. And when they go to answer their king, because the king they're brought before the king, when they go to answer the king, they answer him almost as one voice, and I think it's beautiful. Daniel 3 says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace... The God we serve will be able to deliver us from, us, from it, and he, will not deliver us, or, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The king says, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into a furnace. And they answer with one voice this response. And you guys, the point of tonight, and I believe it with all my heart, is we need to begin to look at friendship differently. We need to begin to look at friendship in a way where you need to make friends like your life depends on it. Because you will be a people that will be defined by your culture or you will define your culture through Christ. And biblically, we know that it takes a strong friend to lead a strong life. It takes a strong friend to lead a strong, strong life. And so tonight I want to challenge you to make friends and to make the kind of friends that define the world um, with power and with the love of God. God shows up, and this is the last point, and band, you guys can come back up here. God shows up where friends have faith. God always shows up where friends have faith. So this is the end of this story. Um, this Daniel 1, 2, 3, and 4, and at the end here... Um, King Nebuchadnezzar, he goes, awesome. If you guys don't want to do what I say, I'm the king, and so I'm throwing you in the furnace. And so he does that. He takes three of them. He doesn't take Daniel because Daniel has interpreted dreams and is too important to him. So he takes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he throws them into the fire. And what I think is so interesting about this story, and you can read it for yourselves, but at one point, all of the guards are watching, and they actually see the men walking around within the fire. And they say, Oh, but there was three that we threw in, but there's four men in there, and he they say this, and the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar then approached the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come here. Because he's realizing they're not burning up. And um, scripture even says they didn't even smell like fire. Like they weren't even twinged by fire. And every single scholar agrees that that fourth man walking around in the fire was Jesus himself. It was Jesus himself. And so I think what's so beautiful about this is that for these friends, God showed up. They were faithful. They stuck together. And God showed up. Thank you. And if you guys would stand, I just want you guys to um, get prepared for worship. And the last scripture I want to read over you has to do with these friends affecting their culture. And it's King Nebuchadnezzar, and this is what he says. He says, praise be to God. Um, to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied um, the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of the nation, or the language, um, to say, that they say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces, and their house will be turned into a pile of rubble. And then I love this. He says, for no god can save this way. No God can save this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This story is awesome (laughs) because it's four friends that stick together, ride or die, that are faithful, that are kingdom-minded, that only focus on what God has and don't care what culture says. And instead of being absolutely railroaded by Babylon, they change the king of Babylon. It's a beautiful story. And I think tonight what I would like for you guys is to begin to look at friendship this way. That no, you know, I'm not settling for 180 characters as friendship. No, I'm not settling for like a high five, yep, I'm doing just fine. No, I want the kind of vulnerable, life-changing, beautiful friendship that scripture talks about. I want a friend that's closer than a brother. And tonight we're going to have a chance to get into groups, but I would love for you for the next couple of um, moments in worship to just ask God, you know, hey, where can I be more of a friend that you are wanting, Lord? And where um, do I need to be looking for these kind of friends, God? All right, you guys, let me pray for you and we'll worship. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this room. And thank you, Jesus, that you have always shown us the way of worship. And I pray that tonight um, new friendships would be forged. And that you would begin to solidify uh, the type of community that you want us to have, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name.